Hello, and welcome to Return to Regalia, an Underland Chronicles reread podcast. I'm Una. And I'm Lily. Today we'll be covering chapters 22 and 23 of The Prophecy of Bane, in which Gregor and Ares escape with the baby Bane and take him to Ripred. Where we left off, Gregor was about to plunge his sword into the Bane, but chapter 22 starts with Gregor redirecting his blade before he can. His sword hits the wall so hard it breaks in two. Gregor initially asks, Boots? Even though he knows it isn't her, because the way the Bane cried Mama was so similar to how Boots sounds when she's upset. Gregor shines his flashlight into the cave, looking for the legendary colossal rat, and realizes what he's looking at. The Bane is a baby, which explains a lot, like why he hasn't become king of the rats yet. Gregor knows he's supposed to kill him, but he can't do it. He drops his broken sword and tries to comfort the little rat, but he gets scared and cries for his mama again. So here's a plot hole. Why is the baby Bane speaking English in this scene? Because he should be just speaking in rat, right? Oh, because they have to learn it. Yeah, because the rats have their own squeak language. It's weird that he's like crying mama in English. Well, like he could be older than we think he is, right? Because Mm -hmm. of the way rats like grow. That's true. And maybe like... Let's say he's, like, a couple months old, right? Mm -hmm. Which would still be, like, I don't know, maybe a couple years on rat or something. I don't know. That's true. And if you think about, like, human royalty, they, like, learn things. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, languages of, like, other countries. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not that he'd be diplomatic. Yeah, not not that he's trying to be diplomatic. (laughs) Because, like, everyone speaks English in the Underland. If They want to speak to each other because the humans just have taken over. So all the animals have to learn English. So I guess it makes sense. I think I still think it's weird that like he's crying. Oh, yeah, that's such a good point. English, though, like you'd think that he would do that in his first language, which is presumably rat. No, you're so right. That's like an actual big problem. Yeah. (laughs) And I forgot to point it out last episode, but Goldshard and Snare also had no reason to be speaking English during their fight because... They were just talking to each other. Yeah, it's like that thing in movies where it's like, it takes place in like France or whatever, but like for the ease of the audience so they don't have to read freaking subtitles. Yeah, yeah. They just speak in English all of a sudden, like... I think it makes sense in this book, though, because... Yeah, how could you do it? Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) There's just like a handful of moments where it's like a plot hole that they're speaking English, but Mm -hmm. I'm willing to look past it. Yeah. (laughs) Gregor yells for Ares to join him, and he comes in ready for a fight, but when Gregor picks up the baby rat and explains he's the Bane, Ares is doubtful. He thinks the baby rat might be a decoy to fool Gregor, or maybe it's actually a mouse. But upon closer inspection, he has to admit it truly is the only white rat he's ever seen. They consider the possibility that there are two white rats, but Ares concludes that that would be highly improbable. Gregor tells Ares that they can't kill a baby, and Ares warns him that the Regalians won't care. The thing that stands out to me most in this section is just, like, how Ares talks. Like, like just the, both of these chapters. Like, yeah. it's really interesting to just see how he, like, forms his sentences mm-hmm. and the way he thinks. Yeah, have you noticed anything in particular? I mean, it's just very formal. Yeah. And, like, old Englishy. I mm-hmm. haven't, I have to admit, I haven't listened to your part about the language, uh-huh. like, your little tangent <laughs> about language yet, so no spoilers for myself on that, I guess, because <laughs> I want to listen to it. But, um, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he does, 
he uses fewer contractions than Mm -hmm. like a modern English speaker would. And I think that must be like just that the regalians kind of speak like an old fashioned English. But I think that this is interesting that this is like one of the first times that we really hear Ares have a lot to say. Exactly. Like he's definitely had conversations with Gregor throughout this book. But he hasn't spoken a lot. Yeah. And now he's like really like he's putting forth his opinion about things. And he's like, they're kind of arguing, mm-hmm. not not really arguing, but they're like having a conversation that's very much like the two of them instead of Aries just like telling Gregor something or asking Gregor something like they're actually having kind of like a debate, which is really big for them. Yeah, that's why it stood out to me, I think, because like, yeah, this is the first time where he's like. We can see him processing out loud, and he's like, "Yeah, yes, no, I don't know. It's highly improbable. It must be the vein. Oh, oh, oh right. <laughs> yeah, he's like freaking out. Yeah, I love how because he's so quiet and mm-hmm. kind of reserved the rest of the time, mm-hmm. and now he's really just like off balance and he's been caught off guard. And we do. I love that we get to see him kind of like think out loud. I'm also like. Do we think, like, we've only really met, like, the royal family, right? Like, do we think that the non-royalty speak differently? I have been wondering about this, actually, because we really only interact with, like, Luxa and her family, yeah. which are all kind of in royalty, even though Vicus and Solovet aren't, like, technically yeah. royal. They're, like, in the same sphere of royalty. Yes. And then, like, I guess we hear from, like, Merith and... Yeah. Like some soldiers, maybe. But that's also like generally like in a class society. Like I feel like soldiers are like higher up normally. Right, right. He could also be from some type of nobility. Yeah, no, we really do not get very much interaction with just like the common folk of regalia. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of questions about like how much do they know about the Overland? Because like Mm. Luxa and Vicus know a little bit about the Overland. But I'm wondering, is that something that only the royalty care about knowing or get to know about and like what do the common people like think about that and how do they speak yeah I really like thinking about that kind of thing but we just like don't get any of that in this book yeah and like who all like gets to have a bond with a bat like is it commoners too like I assume so I wonder if it's like I think probably everyone can have a bond I'm not I don't think I've seen any evidence that it wouldn't be but like maybe they just don't have as big of a ceremony like luxa describes when a bat and a human bond they have like a big feast or whatever mm-hmm. and maybe it's like a smaller occasion if you don't have money yeah <laughs> but we don't even know if like regalians use money true yeah yeah i would give anything to learn more about the lower classes of regalia I think what you and Nate were talking about, about, like, a prequel is actually necessary. Like, because I feel like she could put in some of this stuff. I know, Seamlessly. Right? Yes. I mean, because, like, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, like, had – or Snakes and Songbirds, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> um, like, has, like, little information that, like, really develops the world a lot. Like, yeah. not with not a lot of effort. Like, yeah. you learn a lot. Yeah, it would be so wicked awesome if she did something like that for the Underland Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Just like, yeah, I've actually been thinking about it a lot since Nate and I were talking about it last episode. And it's just like, damn, I would give anything for that. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So Gregor notes that Ares seems off balance and distraught. 
He flutters around the room and bumps into a wall, which Gregor's never seen a bat do before. And Ares is just like, yeah, obviously I'm bumping into walls. Like, shit's getting real. (laughs) Ares tries to impress upon Gregor the weight of this decision, but Gregor remains certain that he can't harm the bane. The baby escapes Gregor's hold, and they chase him into the cone-shaped room with the three rat corpses. The bane nuzzles Goldshard and cries mama again. And it describes it like getting like he's got like his mother's blood all over him and stuff. And he's like curling up in her neck wound and shit. Like Mm. it is so distressing. It really, really is. Gregor realizes that Goldshard is the Bane's mom. And with her final words, she was trying to tell Gregor not to kill her baby. Ares senses a large group of rats coming and urges Gregor to make a choice. Because he can't kill the Bane and he doesn't want to leave it here for the other rats to use as a tool, he ends up deciding to take the Bane with them. Ares is shocked, but he allows Gregor to climb onto his back with the baby. Just as a dozen rats enter the cone, Ares takes off down a tunnel. Rats continue to leap at them, and Gregor can't help defend because he left his broken sword behind. Amateur hour. Yeah, I was gonna say, rookie move, man. (laughs) Like, a broken sword is still a sword. The Bane starts shrieking, and Ares tells Gregor to keep him quiet so the other rats don't hear. Gregor tries calming the baby with his voice and by stroking it, but he can tell his humanness is scaring him. Eventually, he gets a candy bar out of his backpack and puts a piece in the Bane's mouth. He immediately stops shrieking and demands more chocolate, and after another piece... The Bane relaxes into Gregor. Yeah, this is me right here. (laughs) (laughs) The chocolate calms you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm freaking out because of homework. I just need a piece of chocolate. (laughs) That's what it's all about, honestly. Mm -hmm. The real question is, is it milk or dark chocolate? Ooh, that's a good question. (laughs) What, What candy bar do you think Gregor found in the museum? Probably like a Hershey's or something. It's probably right. milk chocolate. It's probably not like yeah seventy eight percent. Yeah, it's not like the fancy like yeah. Yeah. Nobody, yeah, I guess it probably is like a Hershey's or something. I mean, it's probably something that someone was like carrying around in their pocket. Yeah. What if it was like a vintage candy bar? Ooh, that'd be fun. I feel like Gregor notes when he picks it up though that he doesn't think it seems that old. Oh. Yeah, it might be gross if it was too old. There are a lot of preservatives in those things. That's true, too. And it's inside, like, a plastic wrapper. Mm -hmm. Missed um, sponsorship opportunity. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They could have name-dropped, like, an actual candy bar. Yeah, like, Gregor found a Hershey's TM. (laughs) (laughs) It lasted all these years. (laughs) And it was still delicious. That's a selling point. Mm -hmm. You can use Hershey's to calm baby rats. (laughs) Gregor and Ares wind up back in the cone room, and Gregor notes how Ares seems to be losing his patience with the whole situation. Ares points out that the rats are tracking them by smell, and Gregor realizes he can trick their noses by smearing his gross squid sucker bandage on the entrance to each tunnel leading out of the cone. Nasty, but smart. Yeah, super smart. I just love him being like so resourceful and thinking things through even in the heat of the moment like this and before this he's like lamenting how he can't help Ares and like Ares is doing all of the work and he doesn't he doesn't feel like he's pulling his weight and then he pulls this out of nowhere and it's like it's the thing that saves them 
They leave before the rats catch up to them, and Gregor hears the rats fighting in the cone about which way they went. Ares stops by a stream to drink, and after they've rested, he suggests they follow the stream because it might lead out of the waterway. Gregor compares this to how he escaped the palace his first night in Regalia by following the sound of running water down to the river. Also, the way that Ares just, like, puts his face in the river. Yeah. <laughs> like, his whole head. <laughs> I, I would, too, if I had been, like, flying so much. And... It's, like, vibes. Like, I'll, like, get to the end of the day. I'm like, wow, I haven't had any water, and I'll drink, like, five bottles. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've been there. Hydrate or dehydrate. Yeah, for real. For real. <laughs> they fly into a huge cavern with a river running through it, and Ares points out that they've been here before. Gregor spots the remnants of a broken bridge and realizes this is where Tick died on the Prophecy of Grey quest. They land on the far side of the riverbank to rest. The Bane has fallen asleep in Gregor's arms, and Ares is exhausted too. Gregor tells him he'll keep watch, but before his bat falls asleep, he adds, Ares, you were amazing back there. Ares just says, I was not bad, and passes <laughs> out. It's so cute. I love that part. Gregor sits with the bane in his lap and watches him toss and turn in his sleep. He thinks about Boots and wonders why he isn't crying about losing her. He remembers crying for Tick when she died, so he's confused why he isn't crying now. Then he recalls how Luxa told him once that she hadn't cried since her parents died, and he thinks maybe something like that is happening to him now. I think this is described, like, so realistically, like, how an 11-year-old would, like, actually think about it. Because, like, you and I probably, and, like, most adults would be, like, thinking of it more, like, analytically, maybe, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or, like, more technically, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm in denial. Or, like, I am numb. Or, like, have words for it. Right, right. Like, we would know that we were in shock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Gregor is kind of just, like... Well, that reminds me of what Luxa said. Yeah. Maybe something like that is happening to me now. Yeah. Yeah. Gregor thinks Sandwich was right. Because the rats killed Boots, he couldn't kill the Bane. But he also doesn't know if he could have killed him even if Boots had lived. Gregor tries to think through their next steps. He can't take the Bane back to the rats because Goldshard died trying to protect him from being their pawn. He can't take him to Regalia because the humans would probably kill the Bane, and even if they didn't, the rats would attack the city to get him back. Gregor even briefly considers taking the Bane to the Overland, but the narration says, His mom wouldn't have any part in raising a ten-foot rat, especially when Boots had... Okay, so what did that leave? That thing is just... that line. Like, Especially when Boots had, and it gets cut off, and it starts a new paragraph, and he just goes on, and he's like, okay, so what did that leave? Oh, yeah. That's so intense. There's so much going on in that interrupted line. Like, he's really just repressing this Boots thing and, like, trying not to think about it, and I'm wondering what the rest of that sentence was gonna be. Like, especially when Boots had died and therefore his mom wouldn't want to raise a different baby. <laughs> like, or that she would be even more mad at Gregor bringing back a rat because Gregor had, like, let Boots die or something. Like, is Gregor afraid that his mom is gonna blame him? There's just, like, so much to unpack there. Yeah, that is interesting. I feel like his mom would, though. She would definitely be, like, out of her mind distraught. Yeah. For sure. 
Also, like, he said, like, oh, I don't know if I... He's like, I couldn't kill the Bane because Boots died. And then he's like, I don't know if I'd be able to do it, like, if she hadn't died. And I feel like he definitely would not have. Yeah, I don't think so. I think either way, he would have made the right choice to not kill a child. (laughs) Yeah. All right. There's only one thing worse than a rat. (laughs) A child? A child. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Okay, where were we? Gregor thinks about the questers from the Prophecy of Grey trip and realizes that only three of the original group are currently still alive himself, Ares, and Ripred. Gregor wonders if Ripred would still want him to kill the Bane if he knew it was a baby. By the time Ares wakes up, Gregor is ready to present his grand plan. They're going to take the Bane to Ripred. Yay. Ares is about to object, but Gregor interrupts and tells him he can't disagree unless he has a better plan. (laughs) Ares says, I do not have a better plan. But this one has no possible good endings. And the chapter ends with Gregor replying, Probably not. So, should we give it a try? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, Ares is right. There are no good endings. Like, not just because they took the Bane to Rip Red, but like... Because of the the world they live in. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're just doomed. There's no good good endings for anyone in this situation. Yeah. It's kind of the crux of the whole series, is that... No matter what they do, it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. My first thought when Gregor was, like, talking about the people that died from the first quest is, like, Sandwich was wrong then, right? Because he had, like, a number that would survive. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. But it was was right at the end of the first book. I remember that. Yeah, it was eight that were alive. Yeah, and I, like, if I, I don't know. Obviously, he can't be thinking about that now, except he was just thinking about Sandwich. He was like, oh, Sandwich was right. Like, yeah. And I would be like, Sandwich was wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that he would still technically be right because, like, at the end of the quest, oh. they were there were eight alive. That's probably really true. Yeah. Never mind. Scratch everything I said. <laughs> it's not even important. <laughs> no, I like where your head's at, though. Like, Gregor should be thinking more critically about Sandwich. <laughs> yeah, but we won't get that for another couple books. All right, let's get into chapter 23. Gregor sleeps for a few hours, and when he wakes, they begin their journey to Ripred's nest, which Twitchtip told them was near where they first met him in book one. So they retrace their steps from the broken bridge. They stop at a stream, and Ares prompts Gregor to remember that this is where he stopped Henry from killing Ripred in his sleep. Gregor says he couldn't figure out if Ares knew about Henry's murder plan back then, and Ares says, It was one of the many things Henry neglected to mention to me. And Gregor drops the subject. That's so sad. I know, right? Because, like, in this world, like, the action of your bonds, like, the actions of your bonds really matter to your own reputation. Yeah. And that would freaking suck. Like, I'd be, obviously, I'd be pissed. Oh, for sure. Anybody would be. I wonder if Ares tried to talk to Henry after that. Because I remember that Luke's... uh, talks to Henry and is like, what were you thinking? Like, we need the rat to guide us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if Ares ever joined in and was like, hey, dude, what the fuck? But I also don't know if that's Ares's thing. But yeah. I don't know. He stands up to Gregor a lot. At the beginning of this book, he was pushing back against what Gregor was telling him to do. 
But maybe that's only a lesson that he learned after Henry died. Yeah, Gregor's also younger, too, and, like, they have less experience together. Like, yeah. I could imagine that, like, it would be, like, I don't know, kind of like it is in our society where it's, like, I don't know, awkward to, like, talk about feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, hey, what was up with that <laughs> craziness? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if Aries, like, just because we know that he kind of bonded with Henry for his, like, political power. I wonder if Ares is just, like, afraid to stand up to him because of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Or is, like, I don't want to get on Henry's bad side because I know what he's capable of. Yeah, that's sad. Lots to think about. Do bats have a support system other than their bonds? Because, like, clearly humans do in this world. Like, they have family that they're tied to and, like helper like assistance and stuff i think that the average bat probably does but aries does not like he seems like he's a loner and he never talks about like family or friends i mean neither does aurora but like aurora doesn't talk a, a mm-hmm. lot at all i mean in the next book we meet nike and she's the daughter of queen athena of the bats so like we know that they have like the concept of family mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interesting about support system, especially when the bat like goes to live in the humans world with their bond. I wonder if any humans like go to live in the bats land or if maybe that's just totally inaccessible to humans. Is it like in the air? Yeah. Have we talked about before that like bats actually bump into things all the time? No. In real life, they found out like recently that like, like everyone was like, whoa, how do bats like not bump into things? Like, oh my God, that's so crazy that their echolocation is so good. No, actually they bump into each other and they bump into other things literally all the time. Really? Yeah. I did not know this. Isn't that so funny? Did they just do, they just like watched bats enough to be like, oh, look at those idiots. I guess so. Or like somehow they like tracked them. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You can't echolocate perfectly all the time. Nope. But can you imagine, like, two, like, eight-foot bats, like, bumping? That would be mad. Yeah, that would be a catastrophe. Yeah. (laughs) That could be bad. I really don't want to stay on topic today, apparently. No, you're fine. That's what it's all about. As they fly, the Bane begins to cry for his mother again, and Gregor feeds him the rest of the first chocolate bar. They enter the dripping sulfurous tunnel on foot and reach the spot where they first met the spiders, Gox, and Treflex. When they find Treflex's corpse, they decide to keep moving. It's a miserable walk, even worse than the first time they were here. The narration says, Gregor had been eager to find his father instead of dreading the moment when they next met, and he had been carrying boots on his back, not a rat in his arms. Couple things about this, this part. First of all, Gregor is dreading the moment when he next sees his dad because he's going to have to tell him that Boots got killed. Yeah. Which is just terrible. And Gregor, he's not letting himself think about that too much because he's trying to stay on topic and he's like repressing that. But it's also in the back of his mind of like, I'm going to have to tell my parents that Boots died. That is horrific. Uh, and it's sad that like that's the part that's like he's focusing on of any of it like not even like how he's feeling like the fact that he's gonna have to tell his family and how sad they're gonna be yeah you're right you're so right he's not even like thinking like well i am sad because my sister is dead he's like that's nothing compared to what my parents are gonna be oh my god (laughs) that's a lot yeah that's so heavy i know (laughs) the other thing i like about this quote is that he's 
comparing Boots to the Bane. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of this in these chapters, like yeah. the parallels between the Bane and Boots. And I just, I really love that. Yeah, like when he's like petting the Bane's ears, I feel like he's done something similar with like Boots's hair or something like that before. Yeah. Like she's described as like soft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that when he first finds the Bane like crying, Gregor says like, you're okay, baby, mm-hmm. which is like what they say to Boots. Yeah. I guess I don't have like a fully thought out thing about that but it's very interesting how closely the bane and boots are paralleled in these chapters yeah like maybe that's helping him not be so sad yeah yeah true like in the moment like he's able to like like it doesn't feel so real maybe that she's gone or something Mm -hmm. and yeah i think that you're right that even if Boots had lived, he wouldn't have been able to kill the Bane. But I think that Boots having died, he is more, I don't know, like, focused on the Bane's innocence. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not thinking as much about his duty to, like, fulfill the prophecy. He's thinking more about, like, being empathetic and making the right choice, mm-hmm. like, morally instead of, like, thinking with the regalian's rationale of like you have to kill this monster Mm -hmm. yeah it's just like more obvious that the bane is a baby because boots is missing Ares has to hop along on foot as they walk through dripping water for hours dripping egg water for hours (laughs) like that sucks yeah and Ares has to like hop instead of fly he's probably like super claustrophobic being in the cave and stuff i hate the smell of eggs like the sulfur smell i don't like the smell of like regular eggs just cooking like really yeah it's so weird like i don't even know because you know i was like vegan for like four years or whatever and then i eat eggs now and like the smell like I can't cook eggs myself. It, like, grosses me out too much really? for some reason. But I'll eat them. Isn't that so weird? That's interesting. And sometimes, like, the eggs are, like, too egg-like, and then I can't eat them. <laughs> no, I get that too, though. Like, sometimes I'll I'll eat eggs and just be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, that yeah, was it's gross. it's weird. I'm like, it's fine, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I can smell them in baked goods. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, a lot. That's so interesting. I can also taste, like, butter and stuff. Like, I can often be like... Mm, this has butter, doesn't it? I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> you you've got like hyper senses. You maybe you're a sensier. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Only for animal products. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your keen vegan senses. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Scott Pilgrim? <laughs> That's what I was just thinking of. The vegan powers. Yeah. I have this really funny sticker on my laptop that's like this cute little ghost and it says spooky vegans <laughs> and I just love it so much. Is that like a reference to something? Nope. I just like it. <laughs> just spooky vegans. Mm-hmm. Nice. When Gregor and Ares finally exit the tunnel, Gregor collapses on the ground and the bane burrows up under his shirt. Aww. Ares tells him that a group of rats is coming toward them, but they agree that's what they were hoping for, so they wait for the rats to surround them. Rip Red appears and says, 
if I had known you were coming, I'd have fixed the place up, which I just love. <laughs> I hear his voice like so clearly. Yeah. I don't know what it sounds like to you, but like. Well, I always hear the audiobooks when I read. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. So I always hear his like scratchy voice. I mean, that's how it is in my head too. Like, if I had known you were coming, I'd have fixed the place up. That's like- basically how the <laughs> audiobook sounds. If I had known that you were coming, I'd have fixed the place up. Yeah. I should just read it. <laughs> I love Rip Red. He always has like a line to enter on. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he he was like, oh, Gregor and Aries are here. Better think of a good opening line. <laughs> he also like just does, like ever since we talked about it, he just really reminds me of Hamish like so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really weird. No, I, I agree. They're, they're two of a kind. Mm-hmm. Ever since we saw Snakes and Songbirds. Songbirds and Snakes. (laughs) I've been thinking about Hunger Games a lot, and I think I should just reread them. I also want to reread them, and I didn't even like them that much, but I'm like... Yeah, I think I read them in middle school once, and I was like, I really liked the first book, and then like the second and third were like, whatever. Yes. I do really like the movies, though. Maybe I'll just rewatch all the movies. Can I come? Yeah! We should have like a Hunger Games marathon. That would be sick. That would be really fun. Yeah, Nate has only seen the first movie, I think, so we should definitely no i think it'd be fun to watch like having seen the prequel right yeah going back to the because i've seen like now that i saw it and like my phone must know that i loved it or something because like i keep seeing videos that are like fan theories of like that the president of district 13 is like lucy gray or like related to lucy gray And if Katniss is related to Lucy Gray, because, like, Katniss is, like, a Covey thing. I have seen that theory on Tumblr. I was was scrolling through the the tag on Tumblr for Mm -hmm. Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes for, like, a while, and I saw a bunch of, like, fan theories. I was actually looking for a post that I had seen randomly because I thought that it would relate to something we talked about on the podcast and so I was scrolling through the tag for like hours and I ended up staying up way too late taking notes for that chapter because I couldn't find the post I was just like reading everything else in the tag oh man did you see that like the main actor like actress I mean was like going to not do the movie like she turned it down really yeah she fully turned it down she's like I can't do it I'm sorry and it's because she was like away from home filming like snow like a new snow white or something like for months and she was really isolated from her friends and family during that time and she's like I literally just have to go home like I'm so sorry Uh but then she found out that her boyfriend was cast as that like dude who like went into the Hunger Games like protested and stuff oh um Sejanus yes her boyfriend in real life I did not know Yes, and so she was like, okay, I can do it because my boyfriend's going to be on set. Like, I'll have someone that I know. That's so interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, and she called them back, and she's like, do you have someone for Lucy Girl already? And they're like, no, we're so desperate. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That's cool. She's, like, so good at singing, too. I've been listening to the soundtrack. She has a YouTube channel. What? Yeah, where she does, like, covers. (gasps) Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. I've, like, fallen fully into the fandom, and I haven't even read the book. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read the book either. No, the movie was fucking excellent, though. It was so good. Yeah. I don't even understand. That was the best movie I've seen in a while. Yeah, same. Yeah. Okay, enough about (laughs) Hunger Games. (laughs) We're such fangirls. Me wearing a My Hero Academia. I saw your shirt. Yeah, that's cute. Thanks. 
And I forgot who of my friends were, so I know a little bit about it. Yeah, I like this. My favorite character. Nice. nice. She like has the frog superpower. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gregor. Yeah, it's Gregor, Gregor time. Gregor. All right, so Rip Red appears, gives his funny line, and Gregor says he's only here to give Rip Red a present in return for bringing him Twitch Tip. <laughs> he pulls up his shirt to reveal the Bane, and all the rats except Rip Red gasp. The Bane runs toward Rip Red, but when the older rat hisses at him, he scampers back to Ares. Gregor recalls how Rip Red hissed the same way at Boots and says, You don't like little kids, do you? And Rip Red replies, not this one in particular, which is like very loaded, both Gregor's question and Rip Red's answer. Because later we find out that Rip Red had a family that all died and he had children. Oh yeah, I forgot. So I think that his aversion to children now is so interesting. I don't know what to make of it exactly. So sad. He just doesn't want to, like, feel compassion towards anyone, because, like, what if they leave? Yeah. But yeah, Gregor just, like, doesn't doesn't know that about him, so he's just like, Mm -hmm. you don't like little kids, do you? And it's like... But then Ripper's answer, not this one in particular, is also interesting and i'm wondering if it's more than just he doesn't like the fact that it's the bane i have a a thing later that we can get into a little more but like maybe rip red has more of a personal connection to the bane and gold shard i yeah i have like a theory that Mm. i saw somewhere i'm gonna get to it yeah rip red reminds gregor that he was supposed to kill the bane and implies that he might do the deed himself but gregor says i don't think you'd kill a pup Rip Red just says, ha, and Gregor doesn't know what that means vis-a-vis the infanticide. Gregor revises his statement and says that he doesn't think Rip Red would kill the Bane because if he did, the other rats would never follow him. Rip Red pounces on Gregor, smacking him into the ground and pinning him with one paw. He threatens to kill Gregor, and instead of admitting that he'd considered this possibility, Gregor says, Okay, but I think I'd better warn you that if we fight, you've only got a 50-50 chance of winning. Which is complete bullshit, because he doesn't <laughs> even have a sword right now. Wait, yeah, so true. Like, Rip Red has claws and teeth. Like, Yeah, like, even though Gregor is a rager, there's no universe in which he beats Rip Red, especially if Rip Red already has him pinned to the ground. Yeah, so true. All it takes is, like, a bite to the fucking throat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rip Red's basically most of the way to killing Gregor as it is. And Gregor's just like, and you should know that I <laughs> We're Rager too. <laughs> I'm not intimidated by you. <laughs> Even though he's like, if I had been standing up, like my head would be like spilling onto the floor. Right yeah, now. yeah. He's like, thank God I was sitting down. <laughs> so yeah, Gregor reveals that he's a Rager, and all the rats, including Rip Red, begin to laugh uproariously. Repred even falls sideways off of Gregor, but Gregor doesn't sit up. He just stays lying (laughs) on the ground and says, It's true. Twitch Tip smelled it on me. Ask Ares. I love that he's like, he's just like, I might as well just stay lying down. (laughs) What a mood. The narration says, No one asked Ares. They were guffawing too hard. That was one thing you had to give to the rats. They They enjoyed enjoyed a good good joke. joke. I love just the, like, when he's like, ask Ares, and then the narration is immediately like, no one asked Ares. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Rip Red eventually gets up and dismisses the other rats, and once they're gone, he has Gregor tell him the story of the whole quest. 
Gregor gets all the way up to the part where Howard and Andromeda leave with Merith, but then he gets choked up and Ares has to finish telling the story. Ripred tells them, I am sorry for your losses. And the narration reads, That was the thing about Ripred. One minute he was about to kill you, and the next he seemed to understand it was all you could do not to curl up into a ball and die. Almost like he's been there himself. Yeah, he absolutely has. It's so sad. I love the moments of realness from Repred because so much of the time he's putting on this character of being like more cruel or more dangerous than he actually is or wants to be. But he knows when the right moment is to be gentle. I think we get it in the first book after Tick dies and Gregor is like breaking down over it. Ripred is like, we have to keep moving, but he says it like gently and Gregor is surprised by how, I don't know, almost compassionate it is. And this is another moment where Ripred is like, I can't make fun of anyone here. I just need to be real. Mm-hmm. And I love that Ripred can like pick his moments to be genuine. He asks Gregor what he's supposed to do with the Bane. And Gregor suggests that Ripred try to raise him so he doesn't turn into a monster like he would have if Snare got hold of him. Ripred asks, you thought I'd be its daddy? (laughs) And I might actually try and edit in a clip of the audiobook here because the way that Paul Bamer says this line is hilarious to me. You thought I'd be its daddy? Yeah, that's what the audiobook sounds like. You thought I'd be its daddy? Just use my audio. No, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can voice the whole book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gregor says Rip Red could be the Bane's teacher and another rap can take on the role of parenting him for eight years. Rip Red reveals that the Bane will be fully grown within a year and Ares confirms that most creatures in the Underland reach maturity more quickly than humans. Gregor asks, how do you teach it everything it has to know? And Rip Red replies, what does it really need to know? To eat, to fight, to find a mate, to hate everyone who is not a rat. It doesn't take long to learn these things. It's so interesting to me that he ranks hatred among the most important survival skills for a rat. Like, it's just part of life to hate everyone who isn't a rat. And it's right up there with eating food and fighting and finding a mate. Mm -hmm. Like, hating everyone who isn't a rat is so essential to being a rat. And it's, like, so inherent to their nature. Like, it doesn't even take that long to teach. Exactly. Which, like, I think that's true in humans, Mm -hmm. like, too. Like, teaching racism isn't that hard Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Right, especially if you're, like, growing up surrounded by a society that, like, runs on it. Yeah. Yeah. Gregor points out that Ripred could teach him other things, like what he knows about the Overland. Ripred concedes that he has spent a lot of time in libraries at night. Gregor asks... You come up and read books? And Ripred says, read them, eat them, whatever mood strikes me. Can you just imagine a gigantic rat, like, sneaking into a library and fucking eating books? I know, right? And then librarians coming in being like, sorry, why is there, like, a human-sized rat bite out of my books? I was picturing (laughs) the same thing. Like, like... (laughs) yeah, like, what poor librarian is coming into work the next morning to find, like, a whole shelf of books just, like, shredded and devoured? I just thought of something awful. You know, like, how most of the time, like, when you have a mice or rat problem the way you find out is like by seeing their poop yeah and his poop would be massive (laughs) (laughs) 
Like the size of a shoe, like a gigantic shoe. I hate that. I hate that so much. I did not consider that. Oh my god, those poor librarians. They'd be like, what? They'd be like, sorry, did a gigantic dog like come in here in the middle of the night? Like, oh my god. What about security cameras? Yeah, I was thinking about the logistics of this. Like, I think I talked about this when we were covering book one. But, like, how is Rip Red getting into libraries? Because rats can, like, you know, scurry through, like, small areas. Like, isn't it, like, a third of the size of their body or something like that? Like, I don't know. They can, like, really get in there. Yeah. (laughs) Like, squeak in there. I know that cats can fit through any hole that is larger than its head because the skull is, like, the widest part of it. And other, like, you can just squeeze in the rest of the body. I wonder if rats are the same way. And rats have small heads. Yeah. But I just, like, I guess we don't know all of the entrances to the overland, but, like, how is Rip Red going up to the surface of New York and, like, getting into a library? Like, he can't go out on the street, so he has to find an entrance that's, like, into a library directly. Except for that, in the age of TikTok, I don't know if you've seen those TikToks of that, like, human dressing up in a rat suit and crawling around the subway. What? (laughs) No, I don't. I'm not on TikTok. Okay, I've seen it on YouTube where, like, this person dresses up in a rat suit and crawls on all fours, like, in the subway. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is normal. Like, the joke is, like, that everything is normal in New York. Like, nothing's weird, basically. (laughs) But, like, maybe it would pass nowadays. Yeah, maybe River can just get away with that. Oh my god. There's another video of this like rat in a subway. It's like a real rat though. And it's like dragging an entire pizza slice. I have seen that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Maybe maybe it the New Yorkers would just be like, hey, whatever, man. That rat wants to go check out a library book. Let's let him do it. Who am I to judge? Oh my god. Rip Red finally gives in and promises not to kill the Bane. Like Ares, he also warns Gregor that the Regalians won't agree with what he's done. Gregor says, I don't care. If they think I'm going to do their dirty work, they can think again. Rip Red approves of this, saying, That's the stuff, boy. You're a rager. Don't let them push you around. <laughs> I love how he's making fun of it before and now he's like yeah use it yes. fucking use all you can <laughs> yeah yeah I love it like he was making fun of it before and now I feel like in some ways he's still kind of poking fun at Gregor like oh yeah you tell him boy but like he's also like it, there's a there's a tone of like we're on a team because we're both ragers and like we're not gonna let anyone push us around because we're ragers and I also just love Gregor being like, well, he was never really into the warrior thing, but now that he sees that the Regalians are really like trying to use him for things, like in the last episode, Nate and I were talking about how Gregor and Ares find out that the Bane is a baby and suddenly the roles that they were supposed to fulfill aren't what they thought they were. And this is more of that, like Gregor is being like, no, I'm not going to fulfill a role just because that's what the prophecy says or that's what the regalians say. Mm -hmm. Like, if I have to be your warrior, I'm going to do it my way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's powerful. Gregor insists that he is a rager and Rip Red says he knows, but reminds him that he's a new rager, not an old veteran rager like himself. 
Gregor agrees and notes that he doesn't even have a sword, so he couldn't have fought Ripred. Ripred asks about Gregor's echolocation, and he admits he hasn't improved. Ripred tells him to keep practicing, and Gregor just says okay because he's too tired to argue about it. Gregor asks if Ripred will be able to handle the bane, and Ripred gives this very interesting reply. If it's anything like its mother, I'll have my paws full. What do you think this means? How well did Ripred know Goldshard? That sounds like something you say, like, about a friend or, like, a partner. Yeah, I think there's, like, some history there. Or, like, yeah, I suppose it could be, like, a nemesis. Ooh. But I'm seeing it as more, like, you have to know a lot about someone to say that, I feel like. Yeah. Like, it's not just, like, someone he didn't like. It's, like... Someone who has a reputation, if not, like, a personal connection to you. Yeah. I guess I always assumed that Ripred vaguely knew about Goldshard and she had like a reputation for being like a rebel or whatever. But this line, I think, could also be hinting at something more between them. And this is the theory that I was hinting about. Like, I have seen some people theorize that Goldshard and Ripred could have been siblings. Whoa. And I don't know like what the other evidence for that would be, but like this line seems to convey some sort of relationship between them or some sort of history. And I think that it would be really interesting if Goldchard was Ripred's sister. The band like ran directly towards Ripred. Oh yeah. And Gregor just assumed that it was because he was seeing another rat. But there were a bunch of rats. That's Why would he run right. directly towards Ripred? Especially the scary one with the big scar on his face. That's a good point, actually. Like if they smelled like the same kind of. Yeah. And Ripred, the whole line about like not this one in particular, talking about the bane. Like maybe oh. he's met the baby bane before when he was like really little. Yeah. I feel like no though, because then he, he would, would know. know that it was a baby. I think that Ripred just like knows Gold Shard and Snare. So like he knows what they were like and what kind of parents they would have been to the bane. I want I want to hear more theories though about like what was Gold Shard like? Because we really don't learn that much about her at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, clearly she was like protective. Yes. So that would like indicate good parenting, you'd think. Yeah, and she's like a good fighter. She's super powerful. I just keep thinking about like the fact that like she birthed the bane. I don't know. For some reason, I keep keep thinking of like biblical like Ooh. messaging or like a little bit. Yeah. You'd think that she would probably be, like, revered a little bit. I don't know. I have never considered that, but, like, I feel like that wouldn't be surprising if we did learn something about that. Like, all of the rats being like, wow, you're the mother of the bane. Yeah, we just, like, never learn about that, though. But I would believe it. Gregor says goodbye to the bane and gives Ripred the other candy bar to feed the bane once they're gone. He climbs on Ares's back, and before they take off, Gregor asks if Ripred will let Twitchtip join his pack if she survives. Ripred asks if Gregor's gotten attached to her, and Ares says, As rats go, she is among our favorites. Which is just great. Ripred says she can stay if she makes it back, and tells them fly you high. Gregor replies, run like the river, Ripred, and they take off. The chapter ends with Gregor looking back to see the Bane eating the candy bar, paper and all. (laughs) And the narration says, maybe it would work out in the end. You just keep on thinking that, Gregor. (laughs) Also, like, he saved that last candy bar specifically 
for emergencies. Like, he, it says that in the text. Yeah. And yeah. he left it with him. Yes. I love that Ripper just can't open the wrapper, so he just gives the whole thing. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't even think about that. I think that it's just because, like, the rats can't open the wrapper, and also they don't mind eating the plastic or whatever, so he's just eating it. Cute. Yeah, it's really cute. I really don't like what he says about Twitch Chip, though. Oh, yeah. He's so mean about it. She can stay here. She can drag her pathetic hide back here, which literally sucks because, like, she's actually probably dead, right, as he's saying that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that actually we learn later that the evil rats, like, find her and keep her prisoner for a while. That's worse. Yeah, it is. It's really bad. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. But like, definitely, like she she got Gregor all the way, almost all the way to the Bane. And she fulfilled her, you know, promise to Rip Red. And he's just being like mean about her. And it's not even necessary. She's not even there. Like, you're just... He's not even worried about her. Like, I would yeah. be... I mean, maybe on the inside he's worried, but he's just, like, outwardly pretending to be like this. I think this must be, like, the character that he's putting on. But last week you were talking about how manipulative he is, and that's true. That's true, too. Yeah. But I think that he's secretly, like, fond of her, the way that he is mean to Gregor, but he's secretly fond of Gregor. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Even if he is manipulative to both Twitch Dip and Gregor, like, he can contain multitudes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... It's such a contrast because like Gregor like made an effort to ask Twitch Chip like what do rats say to each other in mm-hmm, this instance mm-hmm. and he said it to her yeah and he remembered it and said it to Rip Red. I noticed that too yeah that Rip Red says fly you high and Gregor remembers that rats say run like the river and he mm-hmm. says that I thought that was really nice yeah it is sweet all right we've been recording for a while <laughs> you think we should wrap it up yeah probably <laughs> All right. Some really intense chapters, though. Yeah. I picked these for a reason. I knew it was going to be a wild ride. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me, Lily. Thanks for having me. It's so fun to be here. Before we wrap up, I'd just like to give a huge thank you to everyone who's subscribed to the podcast. Last week, we hit 75 Tumblr followers and 50 YouTube subscribers. Woof, woof. Yeah, super exciting. And Nate pointed out to me the other day that that's like more people than could fit in this apartment. Like just trying to visualize those people. Like we could fill a black box theater with all of those people. Like (laughs) it's so exciting. Yeah, that's really cool. Next week, we'll be covering chapters 24 and 25. If you want to share your theories, point out things we missed, or just let us know what you think of the podcast, go ahead and leave a comment wherever you're listening. As always, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, fly you high.